in our study today, we'll continue in Romans. This is just uh, an introduction. Uh, it's a continuation of a breakdown I've done uh, on this particular letter, uh, trying to uh, take a an overall look at this letter, which is very important. It's important on all of them. Uh, sometimes Bibles have an introduction section to the Bible, and it may look like, I mean, to a letter, and it may look like a waste of time, but it's not a waste of time. Uh, read those introductions, because uh, they give you a lot of good information uh, in there. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not sacred writing, of course, but uh, they'll give you a lot of information. Sometimes uh, they even do an outline of uh, the book, something of that nature. But uh, they can be very valuable. When you understand the gist, the historical setting of, of a Bible letter, it makes it so much easier to understand. Matter of fact, I don't know if you can understand it without some understanding of the historical setting. Uh, I think it's caused a lot of arguments through the years, like the length of a man's hair, uh, and that's basically due to a, a failure to understand uh, what Paul was talking about or the length of a woman's hair. Uh, it was uh, so many people didn't understand the setting in which it was written, and you've got to take that in consideration. Uh, the setting is in the book, but sometimes these outlines will help suck it out a little bit where we can see it just a bit better. Uh Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, uh, we read some of Paul's most challenging words. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Salvation is by grace. Period. It's by grace that we are saved. Nothing else. It's by grace. The goodness of God. He has opted to choose us for his own personal reasons. And you and I are saved today because we have received the grace of God. Okay? Don't be afraid to say that because it's true. Now, grace, uh, by grace, we have been saved, and it is through faith. Faith is the uh, reason the Lord has extended grace to us. It's, uh, it's why. Uh, it's, it's what there is about us that has caused us to receive divine grace. Um, the grace of God has appeared to all men, Paul told Titus, but yet all men don't see receive the grace of God in the sense of salvation. It's been, it's been offered to them, but all don't receive it. What makes the difference? It's faith. Okay, those with faith, they receive grace. Those without faith, they do not. Now, of course, at that point, uh, while, while we've said that, the thing that has to be kept in the back of our mind is what is faith? What does that mean, the word faith? It's used in a lot of different senses. And the question is, what sense is the Lord using the word faith? This is, this is I think, a, a, one of the major causes of a breakdown between us and Protestant denominationalism. Uh, they think we believe in salvation by works, i.e. baptism. Uh, we, think, uh, uh, we think that you can't say that salvation is, is by faith and stop there. 
and it's because uh, of a misunderstanding of the meaning of the word. And it shouldn't be that way. We have to understand these words. It's, it's so important to understand them. Notice what Paul says here. He's speaking in the past tense. You have been. He's writing this letter, and he says, you have been. You could look at it like this. At the time of writing, where the, the red arrowhead is, uh, Paul's writing at that point in time, and he said, you have been, somewhere in the past. You have been saved. You have been saved, and you are saved, okay? Uh, so salvation is something that occurs in, in a moment of time, and from that time forward, it's dependent on what? Faith. It's still dependent on faith, but you still have to find out what faith is. Of course, we've talked about it enough. You already know what faith is. Uh, by grace, you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is a gift uh, of God, a gift that God gave, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, the church at Ephesus apparently had a problem with works, and uh, this would be, I think, most likely be because of uh, the Jews that were in that congregation. They believed in the importance of, uh, for one thing, circumcision. It was the most obvious complaint of all. Uh, you had to be circumcised. That was kind of their theology. You have to hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and be circumcised. That was the way they taught it. And uh, Paul's emphasizing the fact that works has nothing to do with it. It's not about your works. It's not about circumcision. It's about faith. Okay, and it's not of yourself. Your salvation is a gift. It's by grace and it is through faith. By grace, those who have faith receive divine grace. The person who has faith receives it. That's how it works. If I have faith as God intends faith to be, as God defines faith, if I have faith, then I receive the grace of God. And <clears throat> that has to be considered. The demons believe and they tremble. The demons believe, but they didn't receive grace. Why? Well, someone says they didn't have uh, the right kind of faith. Well, what is the right kind of faith? They had faith. Uh, they knew God. They, I guess they saw God. Uh, they were their spirit beings. You know, they got a leg up on us as far as uh, understanding goes. Uh, they believed, but they didn't receive grace. There was something about their belief that just wasn't good enough. And, of course, when you understand the definition of the word faith, it's belief plus works, according to the Greek lexicons, uh, like our Webster Dictionary, except for the Greek language. Uh, you have uh, faith defined as belief plus works. What do the demons have? Well, they have belief, but no works. So they believed, but they didn't have the kind of belief that the Lord was looking for. Uh, the, uh, some of the brethren at Ephesus, they had the works, but they didn't have the belief. And this is, this is the thing, and it's, it's, it's disputed so much. And it's even said by many that Paul and James uh, contradict one another. 
James, or Paul rather, they say, believed in salvation by faith. James believes in salvation by works. When you read the second chapter of uh, James, from uh, verse 14 through verse 26, uh, it looks like James is saying, uh, you're saved by your works. Well, he does say that. But you gotta take into consideration the background in which it was written. Paul is refuting the notion that salvation is by faith alone. You must, you must have the kind of faith that obeys. A person who believes the way God wants them to believe, they're going to do what the Lord wants them to do. It's just that simple. Their, 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 their works comes out of their faith. Their faith produces their works. And uh, James, uh, he's saying uh, the same thing, except he's approaching it from the other direction. He's saying you can't be saved by your works. You have to have faith. You see, he says, that because of what some did, someone did, they were justified. So you see, they were not saved by faith alone. They were saved by faith conjoined with their works. That's his whole point. So it's a misunderstanding of this word faith. And that's why I'm driving this in the ground so much. Uh, it's so important to understand the meaning of the word faith. We want to know what we're talking about. We want to understand what the Lord has actually said. I think if we do, we could probably have more intelligent discussions with our Protestant friends uh, because uh, I think there's a serious miscommunication between the two groups. Is a fracture so large now? I don't know if it can be fixed, but uh, at least we can talk in a way that the, the Lord has explained things. Is there any questions over this word faith? It'll come up time and time again because Paul keeps bringing it up throughout the letter. Uh, the thesis of Rome, according to many people, uh, is verses 16 and 17. Uh, frankly, I think the thesis is verse 17, but eh, that's neither here nor there. Um, it's it's what the letter is all about, and uh, it's important to understand verse 17. In verse 16, though, because everybody does put them together, uh, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, for those of us who believe in the importance of uh, works, uh, a verse like this can, can rattle us a little bit, along with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, because it looks like uh, Paul is saying something different than what we believe, but he's not saying anything that doesn't uh, harmonize uh, with uh, what we believe. He said, I'm not ashamed. Uh, at all of the gospel for in it in it that is in the gospel that's what the word it means well let's get it here i guess the word it for in it the righteousness of god is revealed the word it is the gospel i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ for in the gospel of christ 
the righteousness of God is revealed. It wasn't revealed uh, in, the, in, a, in a very clear and concise manner in the Old Testament. Uh, it was hinted at, it was prophesied, but it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't what was revealed about the coming Christ uh, wasn't so crystal clear that anyone would have understood it, okay? They would know that someone is coming, but they wouldn't know the details, not like we do, okay? It was a mystery to them. Uh, they knew Christ was coming, but they didn't know who he was or exactly what he was going to do. They didn't know exactly how the Lord was going to make people righteous. They had no idea as to how that would be accomplished. Uh, they offered, as we said the other day, they offered animal sacrifices, but every year they had to repeat the sacrifice because there really wasn't forgiveness. They just, the Lord rolled their sins forward a year, okay? And then when the year came, they had to offer another sacrifice, so on and so forth. This was done since the beginning of time. People were offering animal sacrifices, blood sacrifices for sin, but uh, the blood sacrifice obviously wasn't sufficient. The Lord had a plan, okay? He had a plan wherein people would be cleansed by a sacrifice and wouldn't have to be cleansed a second time because that one cleansing would be sufficient. They didn't know who or what it was. They knew Messiah was coming. Uh, they knew uh, a way of uh, making them righteous was coming. They didn't know what it was. So it was a mystery to them. Okay? Now, in the gospel, the righteousness of God that people have longed for throughout the ages has now been revealed. The word revealed, of course, means made known. God has revealed uh, the, his righteousness now, a lot of people, when you start talking about this, here's what you're going to get. What is he talking about in verse 17? According to the average preacher, Protestant preacher, uh, he's talking about the fact that God is righteous. Well, the Old Testament talked about that over and over again. It wasn't really a revelation of something that was formerly unknown. Is it possible that he's talking about the fact that God is righteous? Well, it's possible, but it doesn't fit the context. And then some will say uh, God's righteous attributes, uh, the fact that God is a righteous, just, holy person. Uh, that's what Paul is talking about. In the gospel, the divine attributes uh, are revealed. Again, they were revealed throughout the Old Testament. In the New Testament, uh, the righteousness of God is being revealed, but it's... Uh, a different kind of righteousness, one that they haven't previously uh, considered. Uh, in the Greek text, look up at verse 17, you can cross out the word the, uh, the article. It doesn't, it's not in the Greek text. The Greek text simply says, for in it, uh, righteousness of God is revealed. That's the way it reads. Well, what do you do when you don't have the article? Well, you put in the word uh. In it, a righteousness of God is revealed. There are different types of righteousness when you talk about righteousness. They're, they're not all the same. It depends on the, the subject, on the consideration. So what P Paul is saying is in the gospel, a righteousness of God is revealed. The 
question becomes, what is that righteous? The answer is how God makes man righteous. What people have been looking for since the dawn of time. How does God make us righteous? Well, he reveals that through the gospel, uh, the manner in which that is done. Uh, I don't know what I've done here. Let's push a button and see. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto leading to salvation for those who believe, regardless of their nationality. There's no mention of Moses. <clears throat> There's no mention of the law of Moses or the prophets. And the word Greek is introduced, the Greek people. Uh, salvation is being offered not only to the Jew, but also to the Greek. And that was a foreign thought uh, to these folks. Uh, the Romans thought the Greeks were barbarians. They thought they were intelligent, but they still thought they were barbarians. The word barbarian, um, I think maybe the easiest way to remember it is uh, the Greeks considered non-Greek-speaking people to be barbarians, okay? If you didn't know how to speak Greek, they called you a barbarian. Uh, during the time of uh, the Greek conquest of the world, uh, most of the world spoke Greek. It became a Koine Greek, a street Greek, common language of the people. Uh, and it was uh, spoken uh, throughout the world, which of course was gonna be good for spreading the gospel. Everybody speaks the same language. But there are some people, mostly tribal people, who didn't speak the Greek language. Well, the Greeks called them barbarians. Then the Romans come along and they speak, what, they speak Latin. So who do they call barbarians? All non-Latin speaking people. If you couldn't speak Latin, the Roman considered you to be a barbarian. Okay, that's usually the way it went for the most part. If you couldn't speak the language of the day, uh, then, well, to the Romans, Latin was the language of the day. In reality, I'm not so sure that that was actually the case. But here he introduces the fact that the Greeks uh, are going to be saved uh, along with uh, the Jew and, of course, the Gentile. But now he's adding uh, the Greeks. The Jews may have thought he ought to be ashamed. He said, I'm not ashamed. Well, he ought to be ashamed for what he said, what he believed. It was very opposite of what they believed. Uh, the gospel of Christ uh, is the power of God to salvation. Uh, what about the law of Moses, they would say. So a lot of the Jews are going to get angry about what Paul wrote here. The Gentiles, on the other hand, would be very happy. For in it, that is the gospel, a righteousness of God is revealed, made known. It's just that simple. Uh, not discussed in our study. I'm not going to discuss the various opposing views of the day. There are way too many of them. Uh, even... Uh, certain denominations disagree among themselves. There are so many different explanations uh, for what's called the thesis of the Roman letter that uh, I'm not gonna fool with it because it makes my head hurt. Uh, what we will discuss is my view. <laughs> so I got the microphone. We'll discuss my view. Uh, here's what we'll do. God's plan of justifying sinners. That's pointed out in Romans 3 verse 23. Uh, his way of declaring them just inside of the law. Uh, God is a holy person. 
He's a just person. He can't be unholy. He can't be unjust. Uh, the wages of sin is death, Romans 3.23. Uh, when a person commits a sin, they're supposed to die, the eternal death. If God doesn't have people to die the eternal death who have committed sin, which is everybody, then God becomes a sinner himself. He transgresses the divine law. He can't just forgive. We do it all the time. God can't do that. He's, uh, he's too holy. He's too just. When a person commits a sin, uh, they're destined to eternal condemnation. And if God forgives them of that sin, he's either, number one, not holy, or number two, he's got a way or a means of paying the debt on behalf of the transgressor, okay? And that's what Paul's going to discuss. That's going to be a, a whole lot of what Paul discusses, is that God can forgive sin without becoming a sinner in the process. And this is one of the uh, theological arguments of the day. Uh, they didn't, how, how, how can God do that? It just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. So he'll discuss that. Uh, how God does it, how God justifiably acquits or pardons people from punishment and admits them to favor. <clears throat> Paul will talk about that. Uh, yes, God can forgive a sinner, and in doing so, he doesn't become a sinner because there's a way that God can forgive a sinner without becoming unholy. He can do it in a holy manner. So this is Paul's discussion. It's obvious to see uh, what the problem was is uh, this, this, this gospel of Christ and, and its power unto salvation. Uh, this is too much. They, they can't accept that, the opposers of Christianity. They can't oppose it because it makes absolutely no sense. And we're sitting here saying, yeah, but Jesus died for it. They don't get it, okay? They don't get it. Uh, they don't understand that. They believe uh, that you have to earn salvation. It's by being good enough, by doing enough good deeds, just like people are today. I'm not good enough to be saved. I'm not good enough to go to heaven. You're talking about salvation by works when you say things like that. For me to be good enough means I have to do enough works. If I do enough works, I'll be saved. That's salvation by works. And we don't believe that. Well, they did in Jesus' day. They thought salvation was by works. The Lord justly justifies sinners. And this is something Paul's going to over and over again because this was a major problem in the first century. The Lord forgives without violating his divine law. Uh, because there's a way he can do that and appease divine justice. Uh, God's plan of justification stands in opposition to man's plan of justification. Uh, the two plans uh, diametrically oppose one another. And it's, it's true today just like it was then. People say they believe that you're saved by faith only. Uh, if that's true, then uh, you've merited salvation. I know everybody thinks you're, you don't. You're talking about faith. You're not talking about works. Well, faith is a work. 
And if you believe uh, that you earn salvation because you have faith, then you believe in salvation by works. Uh, and I know they don't, but on the other hand, they actually do. They just, they don't realize it. Uh, salvation is by grace, period. It's not by works. It's not by faith. It's by grace, period. Nothing else. The $64 question is, who does God extend his grace to? That's the real question. And that is the person who has faith, i.e., belief conjoined with works. And this is what they did. And in all honesty, I, I think I would be safe in saying most people either don't know that or don't believe that today. And gone through this for 2,000 years, and we're still, uh, we're still very dull on matters like this, and we really don't want to be. Uh, God's plan is by faith, and man's plan is by works. <clears throat> People come up with an idea or a plan. Uh, the Roman Catholics call it a catechism. Uh, Protestant denominationalists call it a creed. Okay, it's by the works that they have come up with recorded in their creeds. The word creed means I believe. A creed is what this denomination believes. That's why they have creeds. If you want to join a Baptist church, you have to study the creed because that's what Baptists believe. If you want to believe, be a Baptist, then you have to believe what Baptists believe. Uh, I own most of the creeds. Uh, I've taken a lot of classes with them too, and that's uh, that's what they uh, what they practice. Uh, man devised a plan by which to justify man, and Paul's going to discuss that in great detail in uh, his letter to the Romans. Justification by or through faith appears frequently over and over again. In Philippians 3, 8, and 9, Paul said, Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, my own way of making myself righteous, which is from the law, being good enough but that righteousness which is through faith in Christ I believe and the Lord extends his grace to me thus making me righteous 100% righteous we're not 50% righteous we're 100% righteous because the Lord made us righteous righteous, uh, justified, uh, holy, sanctified, cleansed, okay? The word righteousness, and therefore we do right things. Well, what are the right things? They're, rec they're recorded in the gospel. That's where the right things are recorded. The righteousness which comes from God, which we receive by faith. It's not hard. Not hard when you break it down. 
uh, it's kind of hard to get across, but it's not hard to uh, understand. Some uh, seek uh, my own righteousness, self-righteousness. That's what that's called, self-righteousness. I, I do enough. I'm good enough uh, to be a, a, a saved person. A lot of people believe that. I, you know, you've heard, you know, preachers sometimes, preachers uh, boast on what they've done. Uh, it used to be quite fashionable that preachers would stand up and tell you how many churches they preached at, how many people they baptized, how many people repented, they did this, they did that, they did the other thing. Well, that's all good, but really, who cares? Okay. Why, why, why do you rehearse all those things? Uh, it's an explanation. Well, it could be that a person's trying to show or teach what can be done by an average Christian. But uh, most of the times I do fear that it's uh, a bit of boasting taking place. Uh, look at me. Look at what I've accomplished in my life. Uh, look what I've done. It's a, it's a form of self-righteousness, and it's uh, completely unacceptable. Uh, some seek my own righteousness, which is from the law, keeping the law. Uh, because I do the things in the law, I am a righteous person. No, that doesn't make you righteous. Uh, even though you do the things of the law, every now and then you sin, okay? So you can't be made righteous because of the law, because you don't keep the law perfectly. If you kept the law perfectly, that might be true, but no one keeps the law perfectly and therefore no one can be self-righteous uh, the meaning is which is from law keeping my own righteousness which I acquire from law keeping because I do good uh, it's an earned righteousness Paul saw it on the other hand that righteousness not my righteousness but another righteousness Paul sought that righteousness <clears throat> which is through faith in Christ. It's a, it's a righteousness received because of faith. That righteousness which comes from God, it's not something I've earned because of all the good things I've done. It's something that God gives me. He gives me this righteousness. If God doesn't give me this righteousness, then I don't have this righteousness. It has, I have to receive the gift that can only be received by God. Uh, and there's a difference in the various types of righteousness that we speak about. Uh, in Romans 4, 22-24, when Paul addresses this, he'll talk about an imputed righteousness. You've heard me uh, mention this a number of times, I know. I have to keep mentioning things over and over again because we got people with us now who weren't with us a, a year or two ago. So got to keep going. Peter said it's good. Repetition's good. So uh, let's just think that it's good to, to repeat over and over again. An imputed righteousness. The word imputed means charged to. The ideal is uh, an imputed righteousness is righteousness that is imputed to me. Okay? Righteousness imputed to my account. If you look at God with two accounts before him with John, Okay? There's righteousness that John is engaged in. There's the unrighteousness that God, John is engaged in. There is a righteousness 
that comes from God, okay? It's, a, it's, it's imputed because God charged it to my account. God credited it to my account. God gave me that righteousness, just as you're talking about uh, with Abraham in Romans chapter 4. God gave Abraham righteousness because Abraham believed. So he received the gift of God, righteousness. He was he was sinless, sanctified, made holy because God bestowed righteousness upon him. The only way we can receive it, that's why you cannot earn righteousness because it can only be received from God. And if it's not from God, it just doesn't exist. It's a righteousness that comes from God and it's acquired by faith. The person who believes, that's the difference. Is the person who believes faith and belief conjoined with works. Not faith only, not works only, but faith conjoined with works. A faith that produces works. When you read the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, uh, that's the author's point in that chapter. Uh, by faith, he said, Abraham did thus and so. By faith, Joshua did thus and so. What's he saying? His faith produced the action. Because he believed God, he did this and that and the other thing. Faith produces work. This is the kind of faith that God is looking for. A faith that is strong enough to cause a person to do what God wants him to do, him or her. Uh, but now, he continues, here in the Christian age, but now... The righteousness of God, apart from the law, has nothing to do with the law of Moses. You can't earn righteousness by keeping the law of Moses. It's a righteousness that comes from God that has nothing to do with the law, but it is revealed, something they did not previously know, is that they could be righteous apart from the law being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets testify to this day, he's saying. They were testifying to the time when the righteousness of God, having nothing to do with the law of Moses, would be revealed for justification, pardon, forgiveness. Even the righteousness of God <clears throat> acquired through faith, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, <clears throat> acquired uh, through faith uh, in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe that's the key believe for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek the barbarian there's no difference if they believe uh, they can be recipients of divine righteousness for all are in the same boat <laughs> For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's why it's to all. We're all. We were all sinners. We're not sinners now, but we were sinners. We do sin from time to time, but we're not sinners. We're not living in sin, hopefully. For all have sinned and fall short, fall short of the glory of God, being justified, pardoned of sin, forgiven of sin, freely Something did without compulsion because it was by his grace, his favor, 
because he wanted to. He didn't have to. But he wanted to because that's the kind of a person he is. He's the kind of a person that gave us the right to life. And he's the kind of a person that would give us a second chance when we messed it up. This is the grace of God. He's just a good person. And he loves us so much, even though we don't deserve it. Uh, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The word redemption, clearing of a debt, wiping away a debt made possible in Christ. When we're in Christ, the debt is gone. Uh, we're no longer uh, indebted to sin. The design of the Roman letter, man cannot just be justified by his own plan. Uh, justified, he cannot be pardoned, he cannot be forgiven by his own plan. Uh, and people, well, if I do this, if I do that, I believe, I think, I feel like God would be happy. You can't do it. Have I done enough? That's the question. Am I good? I don't know how many times I've been asked this question. It's in the thousands I know. I don't feel like I'm good enough. Have I done enough? Uh, I hear these questions all the time. And it's, it's a misunderstanding of how we're saved. We're saved because God wants us saved. That's why we're saved. If he didn't want us saved, we wouldn't be. But he wants us saved. It has nothing to do with how fast I can run. It's got nothing to do with it at all. Justification is only by the divine plan that is by faith. If I believe, belief conjoined with works. If I believe, I'll be a recipient of the righteousness of God. The Roman letter answers the question, uh, how can mortal man be just with God? How is it possible that God can forgive us? Paul demonstrates that it cannot be by works. Look what's been going on the last 4,000 years. Therefore, it must be by faith. Since it wasn't by works, it must be by faith. Uh, understanding justification, therefore, is very important. I don't think I have much time left, so I'll run as fast as long as I can. The word justify means to be just, innocent, righteous, forgiven. <clears throat> How one is justified can only be determined by the one who pardons, by the one who justifies. That is God, of course. The scribes knew it. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Nobody can forgive sins but the one who pardons sins, and that is, of course, God. I'll have to stop. I don't know where I'm at. This may be the end of the introduction, though. I think, uh, Lord willing, we'll, uh, we'll start the first chapter next week unless uh, there's something uh, I think is important enough to talk about it uh, again next week.